The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very warm welcome to Scorebox. Uh, myself, Steve Sedgwick, Arabina Gamede. We'll even bring an Asian cop out to talk a few things tech, maybe, if he's, if he's very lucky. Right, uh, Tesla misses the mark. Uh, earnings slide 40% in the fourth quarter. Sending shares lower in extended trade as the EV maker warns of weaker sales this year. Moving in the other direction, though, Netflix shares surged double digits, putting 34 points on the Nasdaq. <clears throat> this after the streaming giant hopes another blowout quarter, with new subscribers topping 13 million. U.S. regulators slapping production limits on Boeing 737 MAX jets, but approve existing ones for service, with the first planes expected back in the skies, that's tomorrow. And we're counting down to the ECB's first rate decision of the year, where investors expect a hold of one eye on the future timing of cuts. We'll be breaking that decision for you and bring you Christine Lagarde's press conference then. That's at 2 p.m. CET. Uh, welcome to the show. Right, okay, let's get straight into uh, our tech watch because Tesla shares tech watch rather than OEM watch. I think that's an important distinction, but is the divide narrowing? There you go, there's a question for you. Uh, Tesla shares slid, is that a word? <laughs> In extended trade after the car maker reported fourth quarter revenue and profit that missed Wall Street expectations. Total revenue rose 3% compared with a year ago, whilst automotive revenue rose just 1%. This after the car maker introduced price cuts around the world in the second half of 2023. Operating margin will improve slightly on the quarter to 8.2%, but was still around half the level a year ago, whilst EPS also missed expectations. Tesla warned the vehicle volume growth this year could be notably lower as it finds itself between two major growth waves. But the CEO, Elon Musk, was optimistic about the company's ability to ramp up production of its latest offering, the Cybertruck. As long as we, the, the price is affordable, um, I mean, I, I see us ultimately delivering on the order of a quarter million, something like a quarter million Cybertrucks a year uh, in, in North America. But maybe more. Right. The good news is we've got Arjun and we've got a guest on this one. So we can go through this very methodically. So Arjun, very nice to see you. How good are morning, you, sir? Steve. Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, talk us through the numbers as you see them. Um, the big concern clearly was that slowdown. The, the flagging from Tesla that there would be a notable slowdown uh, in 2024 versus 2023. Auto revenue growth last year was around 20, uh, 15%. And, <clears throat> and so the company is expecting a, a slowdown there. I think the big other question here is what does this mean for prices and margins? Now, if growth is continuing to slow, there's concern that Tesla will have to keep prices low, may have to even cut more, uh, and that could uh, put more pressure on margins uh, this year as well. The company said it's reaching a natural limit uh, on the cost reductions on the current vehicle li lineup, which means that perhaps it doesn't have much more room to go in terms of being able to raise the margins uh, on that. So the big question is, what is the next wave of growth? We know the Cybertruck isn't going to be a huge volume driver. The company flagged that the uh, production of this, the ramp up of production is a little bit more complicated uh, than some of the other vehicles. And so I think the market's now looking to what the next Sorry, big... Said, 
I'm not going to ask you questions. Yeah. Why <laughs> is it a more complicated rollout of a Cybertruck mm. than it is with other models, given the fact that it's just another car? Yeah, it seems to be to do with the fact that this is this very futuristic looking vehicle. Uh, it's got lots of new features such as those those solid windows that aren't supposed to smash but did in one of the, the demonstrations it was a very heavy metal ball so it's to do uh, apparently with with the construct of this particular car which we, we've seen is unlike any of the other tesla models as well uh, and so the the company or, or how elon musk has got, describes it is tesla is caught between two growth waves there was the one we saw with the model 3 in 2017 which really boosted the car maker and then the model y in 2020 as well and so the the market and elon musk now is looking ahead to what comes next and he flagged in 2025 they expect production of whatever the new models are going to be uh, and so that's a that's a big question okay Can stay with us we're gonna have a really long chunk now with a guest yeah we're gonna be chatting to tom hewlett who's the ceo then uh, for strategy asset managers. Tom, thank you so much for the time. Let's get your reaction then uh, to Tesla's quarter. The outlook, of course, which the market has been looking at uh, quite significantly, as well as that stock reaction. Well, thank you for having me. Good morning. Uh, first, let me say that uh, we own Tesla in our market-oriented momentum strategy. And our market-oriented momentum strategy utilizes a quantitative process which selects 50 S&P 500 stocks based exclusively on price momentum. And with that being said, you know the strategy is very nimble and we would sell out of a position should its price momentum stagnate or deteriorate. When we saw Tesla's earnings today, we weren't surprised uh, but, you know, Tesla owns as is basically 93% an automotive company and 7% a storage company. And uh, when you break it down as an automotive company, Tesla is trading at about an 80 multiple. Ford, GM, uh, Toyota, probably between five and 10 on the multiple side. Um, Tom, um, a question I've been wanting to ask you when I saw that you have this as a holding, as a momentum strategy, and I appreciate it's quant driven as well, is this is a stock that's lost circa $100 from its high. How can you own it as a momentum stock? Well, we, we, uh, we, we bought Tesla at the beginning of the year uh, based upon our strategies, quantitative approach where we start the beginning of the year in January with the top momentum stocks. And as you know, Tesla was up over 100% last year. Although it's declined on the price side in the first uh, several weeks of trading in January, it's still a momentum player for us. Uh, Tom, just with, with Tesla this year, there's been a lot of uh, focus on the company's margins after the fact that it had to cut prices last year amid a, a tough macro environment, amid rising competition. So this year, uh, do you expect Tesla to continue to cut prices or keep them uh, as low as they are? And, and what ultimately does that mean uh, for the company's margin this year? I, I do. And, uh, you know, Tesla had to cut prices to remain competitive. And uh, that's obviously due to increased competition. And this obviously has impacted their margins and it's a sign of shifting market dynamics. 
their market position, I mean, initially they were a dominant player in the EV market. They were they were disruptive. Uh, 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 Tesla was an innovator. Uh, the brand is very attractive, uh, but it creates a lot of volatility with the stock. And and as you've seen, Tesla's stock has exhibited significant volatility this year, and it's really influenced by retail investors and market momentum rather than just fundamental factors. So you've got increased competition, uh, consumer interest fluctuations, and now you have price adjustments. And with the Cybertruck ramp up proving a little bit tougher, with new products not expected potentially to, to go into production to the end of 2025, is there anything at this point uh, that can catalyze uh, growth for Tesla again? Well, uh, you know what, I wouldn't count them out. Um, as you heard from Elon Musk today, he said that they're in the second phase of a growth uh, 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 factor. And uh, this this new Cybertruck that has come out, we're already seeing it in the streets of Los Angeles. And I know that there are several uh, on the East Coast as well, but it's a, it's a pretty interesting looking truck. Um, I do think that Tesla, though, will will advance uh, on the storage side, and that could kind of pick up uh, some of the momentum on the uh, uh, on uh, on the growth side of things. So, automotive uh, is going to see a lot of pressure, uh, but on the uh, the storage side, I think that that will enhance uh, some of their growth prospects for stock performance in the future. Um, Elon has spoken a lot about how he would like to innovate and create more for this business, but by owning 25% of the stock. It's a stock that you and your company own. Are you worried about that ownership mandate at all? Well, I think he currently owns roughly about 13% and has another 7% you know, available in options. And uh, uh, so if he goes uh, to a higher level, I'm not worried about it. Uh, he's a very powerful individual. He's obviously a very polarizing individual, but he's one of the most brilliant people uh, that has uh, come into our lives. Uh, some something similar to kind of a Thomas uh, Thomas Edison of our of our generation. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tom. I, I read that book from uh, Walter Isaacson. I thought it was just so illuminating about the man. And you're, you're, he is the most divisive character I can think of uh, in corporate America at the moment. And yet, I do want to just pour onto that uh, share ownership story as well. It's almost a threat. I will develop AI within the company if I get more stock or a larger percentage. I will develop it out of the company and create another company if I don't. But this is a man who's been selling stock. Um, so it's, I, I don't understand. You, you say, yeah, I don't mind if he owns more stock. And, and absolutely, I think people would like to see him fully invest in Tesla rather than worrying about some of his other moonshots. But I don't understand. He, he's selling stock to finance other assets. Does he want free stock? That should worry me as a, a current shareholder, that if he wants given, to be given free share options rather than paying for those extra shares. Well, you know, I don't know if he wants free stock, uh, but I do know that Elon Musk is a capitalist. I do know that Elon Musk wants to make money just with any other active investor in a company. So um, I, 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 once again, I would think that that if I were in Elon Musk position, which I wish I were, um, I would think that uh, by um, uh, encouraging uh, the company to uh, take uh, innovative strategies to go forward in the AI market, sure, uh, he could do that. But uh, influencing in other directions, uh, as he is a polarizing figure. Um, I, I do think that 
the, the company itself has hinted along the lines of what the innovation could be in the AI area. Uh, Elon Musk uh, decided to go into a different route and set up a separate company uh, focusing on that. Maybe that's due to the uh, the participants not wanting to go into a bigger entity. Uh, but AI is going to be a, a big part of, uh, of Tesla going forward. Um, Tom, making an EV vehicle is still expensive uh, in relative to a normal combustion engine. Then, do you do you see Tesla being the ones able to then bring down that cost of production so much so that they're able to uh, sell a a vehicle sub twenty five, sub thirty thousand dollars then and be profitable selling it? Well, that's part of the new growth initiative for the uh, the new uh, Tesla Two model. Um, they have a lot of competition, though, uh, from China. Uh, they have a lot of competition from the other automotive makers. Um, I think that they have an idea of what it costs uh, to make a competitive car at that level. But that's going to cut into, uh, one, their margins. Uh, and Tesla is going to have to cut prices to remain competitive. Uh, what does this do to the uh, the profitability going in the future? Uh, you know, well, it remains to be seen. Um, but uh, they're still a very profitable company. Uh, Tom, Elon Musk spent a bit of time talking about Optimus, the humanoid robot. Uh, he said there's a good chance uh, it could ship next year as well. Um, humanoid robots, AI, all very fascinating. But right now, is it a distraction for Tesla? You know, I, I think that once again, uh, you know, being the Edison of our generation, uh, Elon Musk is going to always be a disruptor out there, you know, by bringing something that will be uh, very interesting uh, to capture the uh, uh, the audience uh, out there. So if Optimus is that uh, that figure, uh, you could probably think that uh, 10 years ago, the Tesla was that figure at this point. So uh, I'm a fan of the Optimus. And I'm a fan of uh, Thomas Edison as well. I think he had about a thousand light bulbs before he really nailed it. So uh, it puts right. a new frame on failing, doesn't it, Tom? Uh, brilliant. Uh, thank you so much. I think you've given some great insight today. Tom Hulick, who is the CEO of Strategy Asset Managers. Uh, and look, I'll, I'll just give a shout out for that biography again, that Walter Isaacson one. I, I um, read it and I would suggest to most people, you are, before you form your opinion of, of Elon Musk through tweets and what have you or his public profile, look into the man a little bit more before you say you like him or don't like him. Come to your conclusion, but do it in an informed way. And I think that, that, that book, that biography, and again, I'm not on a cut. <laughs> it's the, uh, the gentleman in question is the former CEO of CNN. But what a brilliant, brilliant book, I have to say. Have you? Have you? I haven't. Have you? I haven't either, but I mean, yeah. South Africa makes them weird, so... You know, we're definitely different. Well, he had um, a very interesting, arguably sleep. troubled um, upbringing. Yeah, as well. Arguably troubled, yeah. Um, very interesting relationship with his father as well, yeah. but um, extraordinary. Good, right, let's move on. And for, oh, thank you, by the way, for coming in early. Good. For more on Tesla's, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know you paid to come, but you know, it's still, <laughs> still nice to see you. Uh, for more on Tesla's earnings, as well as Musk's hopes and expectations for the Cybertruck, uh, check out CNBC.com. Uh, as I say, moving in the opposite direction, Netflix shares jumped after the streamer uh, topped expectations for its fourth quarter revenue and subscriber growth. The company added 13.1 million users during the period, and as a result, it now boasts nearly 261 million paid subscribers. Still in earnings, but this time to the chemical space, Givadan posted a more than 4% rise in like-for-like -like sales in 2023. 
at coming in at just under 7 billion Swiss francs with net incoming, uh, net income, or should I say, of just over 890 million. Free cash flow came in at a record 920 million francs almost double on the year. So stock then, of course, that uh, does have a forward P of around 31 as well then. So interesting to note a stock that's risen over 13% or so over the last 12 months. We will be speaking to the CEO, Gilles Andrea, just after uh, 8 a.m. CT. Don't miss that conversation. It's a first on CNBC. Right, uh, let's take a look at SD Micro. Uh, we're pouring through, aren't we, various uh, parts of the semiconductor supply chain over the last couple of days. Their fourth quarter and full year revenue results are out. The group is talking about outlook. We expect a gross margin in the low mid 40s, says the CEO. Free cash flow, non US GARP, was 652 million and 1.77 billion in the fourth quarter and full year respectively. We plan to invest around 2.5 billion in net capex in 2024. I should give you some of the actual numbers as well, actually for this one as well. Uh, outlook for the first quarter revenue, looks like it's 3.6 billion US dollars. Um, in the fourth quarter, as I say, the margin was 45.5%, but the margin looks like it's gonna come in the first quarter 42.3%. So pressure, on the margin going forward is what ST Micro is talking about this morning. Uh, fourth quarter revenue, 4.28 billion. Um, I think if you're rounding up, that's bang in line. I was looking for a 4.31 figure as well. As you can see, the shares, there <laughs> they've oscillated, uh, but over a five-year period have had a dramatic incline. Okay, let's move on. SK Hynix swung to a surprise operating profit of 346 billion won in the fourth quarter. That on a 47% surge in revenue. The chip maker, which supplies NVIDIA, says it will focus on high-end memory semiconductors used in AI technology going forward. And, and that is the point, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we've got another company that's talking about refocusing its supply chain to AI. And nobody's doubting that AI is taking the world by storm at the moment. But as more supply comes on, what does that mean for the incumbents who have a very strong motive position at the moment as that moat gradually gets eroded? I'm not saying they're not worth their premium. I'm saying more players are coming into this sector. Let's continue with that AI theme then. IBM spiked in extended trade after fourth quarter earnings beat to the street and the tech giant said... It sees annual revenue growth above market expectations for the full year. Now, the firm did say that it will lay off some employees this year, but hire f uh, far more AI-centric roles as it banks on demand for its software and consultancy services. Now, coming up on the show, we've got another key data point due stateside as we await the first reading of fourth quarter GDP. It's looking to hit around 2% from that 4.9% figure. We'll look at what to expect next. Plus, attention on the ECB with investors split on the timing of the central bank's first rate cut. We are live in Frankfurt with the latest and we'll break down results from chemicals company Givaudan with the CEO, Gilles Andrea. Don't miss that first on CNBC interview at 8 a.m. CT. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, 
find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Well, the expectation out in Japan is that rate hikes could be on the way sooner rather than later. Of course, earlier this week on Tuesday, in fact, we saw the Bank of Japan decide to keep interest rates then at the ultra-loose state then. So what happens then? Could we see rate hikes out of Japan? Well, the market has dipped down initially a little bit earlier on. Now sitting around that flat line, up around 10 points then. Let's remember that earlier this week and even last week then, we saw that counter hit record highs at a 34-year high, in fact, uh, for the Nikkei 225. Well, on to the Hang Seng and the Shanghai Composite. A lot of the tech counters are uh, in play here. In fact, it's the EV uh, shares that are really in play, should I say. Uh, EVs as well as Tesla suppliers are down actually today after the company painted what was a weaker outlook. Tesla, of course, warning that volume growth was bound to be uh, notably lower. Uh, in 2024 compared to last year. So you have the likes of Neo falling 7%, Lee Auto down nearly 5%, BYD also sliding uh, on the back, of course, of Tesla having slid around 6% in that uh, post-market trade. LG display also leading the declines. But despite all of that, you still see the market managing to gain. The Hang Seng Index more than 2% higher there. Shanghai Composite, 2 and 3 quarters of a percent to the good. Onto the U.S. markets, then Microsoft briefly passing $3 trillion in market cap yesterday, rising more than 1%. The figure was 4.0365. It surpassed that, even hitting around 404 uh, at some stage. Two companies now in that 3T club, of course, Apple being one of them. It is up around 7% a year to date. So it did mean that the Nasdaq did manage to push a little bit higher, a third of a percent uh, to the good on that front, up 55 points. S&P 500 also managing to inch uh, a little bit higher there. Good news there. A new high also with that fractional gain. But slightly downward, though, for the Dow Jones Industrial uh, Dow, Dow Jones Industrial average back below 38,000 points there. It's down around a quarter of a percent. Of course, the earnings picture is still one we're looking for, and it's GDP numbers that we're looking towards. On to the treasuries then here. The 10-year treasury yield rising around three basis points yesterday. We're now sitting at 4.1607 there. Are the two years at 4.37, having uh, also then uh, risen around the same uh, three basis points there. All eyes will be on that fourth quarter GDP number. The anticipation is for around 2% growth in the fourth quarter. And you also have the PCE number coming out then on Friday. On to your dollar crosses then, the currency is the dollar had dropped from a, what is a six-week low, uh, six-week high, should I say, taking a breather from those recent gains then. But you are seeing some strength then come through uh, 127.10 for sterling dollar. As we head towards the ECB's rates decision today, we're sitting currently at 108.78. Dollar yen, 147.83. Steve. Thank you very much. Okay, U.S. economic growth likely slowed to its weakest pace in the year and a half to end 2023, according to Wall Street economists, possibly setting the stage for a more pronounced slowdown ahead. Uh, fourth quarter GDP data, which is expected today, uh, seen showing the U.S. economy growing at 2% seasonally adjusted uh, annualized pace. That is down from 4.9% in the third quarter and the lowest reading since 0.6% decline in the second quarter of 2022. Um, 
everybody's on day to watch. Everybody's yeah. thinking, is it March? Is it going to be June? Um, but the fact of the matter is there are some indicators out there, and I do like a little pouring over some of this data on a daily basis, uh, perhaps ones that our viewers haven't looked at, because um, I know we're going to look at the deflator, we've got advanced indicators, we've got uh, fourth quarter GDP today, as we've been talking about. How about the mortgage applications? If the US consumer was having a really tough time with nearly 7% mortgage refinancing rates, they wouldn't necessarily see increases like this, would they? 3.7% rise in mortgage applications in the last week after a 10.4% surge in the prior week, um, uh, which signals home sales, which jumped 7.5% following gains of 9.2% and 5.6% in the previous couple of weeks. Um, those figures on mortgage applications and home sales look jolly robust to me, despite everything that's being thrown at the consumer, despite all the concerns about the slowdown that we just mentioned in that GDP read. Yeah, so the US consumer perhaps carrying that economy somewhat. You even had household spending rising 2.5% uh, towards the latter part of last year. So there's still stronger growth and stronger uh, spending than in ex anticipated. So more upside. Most Americans who want to work have jobs. There are still, despite the decline in the number of vacancies, there are still more jobs out there for, than Americans looking for jobs as well. And it is stark when you look at history, just how big that figure remains. Mm -hmm. Very interesting one. We will, of course, be checking out those numbers, uh, their fourth quarter GDP. <clears throat> Now, U.S. safety regulators have slapped limits on production of Boeing 737 MAX jets, freezing it at current levels. Restrictions will be in place until further investigation of an accident on an Alaska Airlines flight where a side panel blew out shortly after takeoff and any uncovered issues are addressed. Now, the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, did, however, clear the way for currently grounded planes to resume flight following inspection. The first one's expected back in use on Friday. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with me, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.